I want to thank Research FDI for sponsoring today's podcast. They're a globally renowned lead generation firm that helps economic development organizations create real prospects. They've helped over 500 economic development organizations. Let me tell you exactly what they do. They facilitate one-on-one meetings for economic developers with corporate executives who will have projects soon. They can facilitate these meetings to where you travel to the corporate executive's office and meet them there, or you meet them at a trade show, or even have a conference call with them so you don't have to pay for travel. They recently launched a service called FDI 365, which provides you a lead a day of fast-growing companies that will be expanding soon. Their research has helped over $5 billion worth of projects get cited since inception. I encourage you to go to www.researchfdi.com to learn more about Research FDI. As far as I'm concerned, they are absolutely the best lead generation firm in the business for economic developers. Call them at 514-488-3168 and see how Research FDI can help you create real prospects. Hello, this is Chad Chancellor with Next Move Group. Before we begin today's podcast, if you've been enjoying our podcast series, Please go over to Apple Podcasts, leave us a five-star review. That'll sure help us out. We'd appreciate it a whole lot. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Next Move Group We Are Jobs Podcast. This is Chad Chancellor, co-founder of Next Move Group. And this week we're going to have an episode that veers off of our normal path of economic development. You know, we do this once in a while, usually revolving around football or some sport to be like Mississippi State winning the College World Series. But this week we're actually going to do an episode that was asked for by one of our movement members. I've had three or four people ask me to maybe do this, but one of our movement members flat out asked me to do a podcast on it and y'all know we try to do whatever our movement members ask us to do and it's on how i lost 53 pounds since last november i was asked how i did that many of you leave similar lifestyles to me with what all we do in our industry and so one of our movement members asked me would i do a show on this so disclaimer right out of the back I am in no way a weight loss expert. I am in no way a doctor, a nutritionist, none of that. So whatever you do, this is not weight loss advice. I'm just going to tell you my own personal story. I'm going to tell you kind of what motivated me to lose the weight and how I did it. I would tell you I've done teetotally no exercise with this. Matter of fact, I've probably been lazier exercise-wise than I ever have in my life, really and truly. If you counted your steps, I've probably moved less steps doing this because with COVID, you've been stuck home and all. I've probably done less steps in the last year than I ever have in my life, and I've lost 53 pounds since November. But let's do all the disclaimer stuff. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a physician. Don't run out and do this without consulting one, making sure you're healthy because uh, I have no training no knowledge, no expertise in any of that. I'm simply going to tell you my story. So I started at 268 and I'm now 215. So I'm down 53 pounds. And on a keto diet, I'm also doing fasting. So I'm doing a combination of keto and fasting. And I'll tell you what both do for me. But basically on keto, you lose rapidly right at first because I've learned just a little bit about the body, even though by no means am I an expert. But I have learned when your body stores sugar, It also attaches water to sugar in your body. That's what ends up happening. And I'm putting this in simple terms. So when you first start a keto diet and you go low carb, 
you end up losing a lot of water. It doesn't dehydrate you. You just end up losing a lot of water. So you'll lose five or 10 pounds the first day or two. You will lose, you know, 15 pounds within a week or two. That slows down in time. That, that initial loss is just water loss, but that's fine. You need to do that anyway to get to the weight loss. So I'm down 53 pounds. I've got a buddy that just started that I grew up with. He's down 12 pounds in three weeks. His wife's down 14 pounds in three weeks. I've got in front of Tennessee that's been doing it about about how long I have, I think he's down about 70 pounds. So, you know, I know a handful of people that this is working for. And it really works at first because you get quick results. You'll lose 10 pounds first week and you'll be real excited. Most of that's water weight, but it gets you excited, gets you motivated and ready to go. So to set up my story, I have been fat all my life. I don't know that as a kid, you would have called me fat, fat, but I was chubby. I've been chubby literally all my life. As a high school senior, I lost weight, got in a little bit of shape, but I mean, right up till I was a senior, I was heavy. I mean, I was probably considered obese. I am quite sure in college, probably, you know, I probably weighed over 210 pounds as a freshman, as a junior, which you look at you, you wouldn't say it's fat, fat, but certainly according to the statistics, you'd be fat. But I was always fairly active. I mean, in college, we'd go play racquetball all the time. I mean, we did stuff. I was always, never had been into weightlifting at all, but I was always fairly active. But the weight just kept putting on me. And I got out of college. I'll never forget. I worked in Mobile, Alabama. Every single day, I would go to the YMCA. Every day, without question. Sometimes twice a day, I would go at lunch. I would go to the YMCA at lunch. And then that night, I'd play racquetball with somebody gain weight little did i know when i went to the lunch at the ymca i'd have the chowder you know with all that in it with the crackers and all and i was just putting it right back on but i'd have enough sense to know it and then i moved to lawrenceburg tennessee i had a little home gym i worked out every morning i would get up at six o'clock in the morning work out for a winter school moved to paducah kentucky a country club had a gym Alex drug me over there. We would do P90X. We'd go over there at six o'clock in the morning. I'm not a morning person. So what I'm telling you is I have always exercised a little. I never lifted weights at all. So you wouldn't say that I was some kind of really into it, but I would exercise 30 minutes a day, four or five times a week, pretty much consistently all my life. I did. That's the honest truth. Not when I was a child, I didn't. But I mean, you know, once I got, say, to college, at least three or four days a week, I did some kind of activity. Mississippi State, I'd walk for an hour around the uh, the research park there. In Paducah, I would walk around my neighborhood, which was very hilly. It was called Rolling Hills because of all the hills. I'd walk around it for a whole hour. Kept gaining weight. Kept gaining weight. So what I really learned through that, without even knowing it now, is you can exercise to the cows come home. If you're not eating right, you're going to not lose weight or you're going to gain weight. So that's what's been so, I guess, easy. You know, keto's hard because you got to stick to it, but it's really been easy for me. I've done absolutely no exercise. That's why I'm saying I've probably been lazier than I ever was. But I was sitting in Las Vegas, Nevada last November. Alex and I flew out there, met some buddies of his. They've opened a new pool that's like a Jerry Jones stadium with all kind of TVs. You can watch all the games, and we wanted to go. And so we flew out there and met all his buddies. And I did not feel good on that trip. I sweated a lot. I just didn't feel good walking around Vegas. You know, Vegas is not very hilly. It's flat. And, you know, I just, I didn't feel good. You know, you go up steps and you would be hoarse. And the last day there, we actually were watching the Saints, you know, up on the screen at the pool. The Circa pool, by the way. Y'all ought to go if you hadn't been. Circa Las Vegas is the name of it. The Stadium Swim's name of the pool at the Circa Las Vegas. You need to go. It's unbelievable. But anyway, I was sitting there drinking, probably drinking beer if I had to guess. 
And the thought occurred to me. I looked around in this pool. It was like its second week open. So it was still a new thing. And basically everybody there was fit in shape model. <laughs> and it kind of occurred to me. I'm the fattest person here. I remember having that thought. I literally remember having that thought. I don't remember if I was or not. But out of the 500 people there, I think I was the fattest person there. So I had that thought. But I didn't think much of it. But I didn't really feel good. Flew home. Got on the scale that next day, whatever day it was, Monday, Tuesday, whatever day we flew home. I got on my scale here in New Orleans, and I would have assumed I weighed like 255. I always knew I was over 250. I was over 250 when we started Next Move Group. So I figured I, I'm going to be about 255. I went in the habit of weighing every day. And I got on that scale, it said 268. And folks, I don't know what it was. It scared me. It scared me. It said 268. I remember thinking to myself, Okay, I hadn't felt good. I sat at that pool and thought I was the fattest one there. Not in a low confidence way, just like a funny. I was like, oh, I'm the fattest one here type way. But I got on that scale and I thought, you know, Chad, you got to do something. Because if you gain 20 pounds, you're going to weigh 290. You know, if you lose it, you're going to weigh 250. You better get to going in the right direction. And I did not set a goal. I did not sit there and say, all right, I want to weigh 220 by, uh, I don't know, you know, April or whatever. I didn't do any of that. I just remember thinking I've got to come up with something to get this going in the right direction. And I guess, you know, folks, I will tell you that having a YouTube, who knows if I end up living to be long age, maybe one day I'll say YouTube got me there, saved my life. Cause I put in, you know, weight loss into YouTube and up pops all these videos. And that's how I discovered keto. And I discovered two people on there that I now follow almost religiously. One of them is named Mark Sisson and he's all into the keto diet. He used to be a runner. He's a real athletic guy. And he used to carb load before running. But anyway, he got into keto and how you want to train your body to burn fat. We'll get into that. And then I got to follow a fellow named Jason Fung, Dr. Jason Fung. He teaches you how to fast. So I just got to follow those two people. And again, I didn't set out with a goal. I just started doing it. Let's see how this is going to go. In the first week, I guess I lost 10 pounds. And I'll get into here and tell you what I'm eating in a minute and how I'm doing it. I guess I lost 10 pounds. And so that Sunday, the football was on. And I remember thinking, you know, I'm going to not eat today, which is what Jason Fung teaches the fasting. I remember thinking I'm going to drink water and coffee and try to get into these games and that'll pass the time. And I did. And I didn't feel bad. Yeah, I had a few cravings through the day, but by and large, I felt pretty good. That night, I felt better than I had in a long time. Got on the scale next day, I was down like three pounds. So I got some momentum. But then, of course, it was Thanksgiving and Christmas. And so Thanksgiving, I didn't do good. I ate a lot. But between Thanksgiving and Christmas, I came back and pretty much didn't eat anything bad. You know, I kept on the keto till Christmas. And then I ate bad again at Christmas. But then after that, I pretty much have consistently, since January the 1st till right now, stuck to this. But if you want to follow somebody, follow Mark Sisson and Jason Fung. That's who I've been following. So I started at 268, and now I'm at 215. So I'm down 53 pounds roughly since November. I remember I weighed 250 on January the 1st. That was after Christmas. So I've come down from 250 to 215 since January the 1st. So let me tell you how I did it. Then I want to go over some blood work I had done with you. Because some people told me, including my brother, he's a nurse practitioner. He was very happy I was losing the weight. But he said, Chad, I want you to get your blood checked. I'm concerned your cholesterol because you're eating all this meat. Your cholesterol might be too high. And I want you to get it checked. And long story short, I had it checked. It was all perfect. I'll go over that in a minute to show you that. But first, let's talk about really what is the keto diet. Then we'll talk about fasting. So the keto diet basically turned everything I ever heard all my life around. 
It teaches you that you are supposed to eat fat. That's right. Did you just hear me right? You're supposed to eat fat. That's what the keto diet is. Some people think it's just low carb. It's not. The keto diet is all about eating high fat. The idea is to get 70 to 75% of your calories in any given day from fat, like bacon grease, like the fat in the ribeye steak, like the fat on the ribs. This is the idea. Get about 70, 75% of your calories from fat. Get about 20, 25% from protein and get just a handful, 5% or so from carbs. That's the idea. And the idea is that will teach your body to run on fat. So before you become keto, you're a sugar burner. You run off carbs. Because Lord knows I've ate carbs all my life. Everything I put in my mouth as a child was a carb. That's just how I was raised. Mama would put sugar in our green beans and they were good. Lord knows they were good. In our collard greens, mama would put sugar. I've literally eaten sugar every bite all my life. So my body ran off carbs. Well, what the keto does, you take those carbs away and you replace it with fat. Well, carbs spike your insulin. Carbs spike your insulin. Fat does not. If you eat fat, your insulin does not spike. It stays steady and low. So this allows you to burn fat. Once you burn the fat that you just ingested, your body will then go to burn the fat. This is the idea behind keto. Totally opposite of anything I ever heard. All my life, I was always taught, eat low-fat stuff. As wrong of advice, if you're going to follow keto as there could be, again, disclaimer, I'm not an expert, just telling you what I've learned. Totally wrong advice. You want to eat fat. I know that's the craziest kind of thing you've ever heard in your life. Well, eating the low-fat got me to 268. Eating fat has got me to 215. So some of the things that you have to reverse-engineer your mind on that's helped me Obviously, low carbs, everybody understands, but you want to eat real butter, not margarine, real butter. You can eat all the real butter you want. You want to eat bacon grease. I fry chicken right now in bacon grease. I fry it with port rinds as my crust instead of flour and put it in the bacon grease. Best fried chicken you ever put in your mouth. I'm telling you, it's better than the other fried chicken. It has no carbs. It has fat on it. So what you want to do is eat as much fat as you possibly can. The other side effect of that is when you eat that much fat, you're not hungry. If you scarf down an ice cream with a bunch of sugar in it, you're going to be hungry in an hour's time because of your insulin levels. Your insulin levels spike. If you eat the same calories in pure fat, it's only so much bacon grease you can eat. Rest assured, I have learned that by now. <laughs> There's only so much bacon grease. So you end up being full. So before you know it, you'll look up. It'll be 2 o'clock. You won't have any lunch yet. You won't even be hungry. Y'all, I used to eat six and seven times a day. Somebody told me to eat little low 100-calorie meals six and seven times a day. Well, all that was doing was spiking my insulin every few hours. Spiking my insulin so I couldn't lose weight. Now, I eat whenever I'm hungry, and I'm not hungry a lot. I start my day every morning with three eggs and three bacon. I cook it in olive oil. Next tip, don't cook in vegetable oil, canola oil, corn oil, all that stuff. You don't want to cook in that. That stuff is a chemical plant, puts it together. By the time they do it, it's really bad. It has trans fats in it. You don't want trans fats. You want saturated fat. What you want to cook in is olive oil or bacon grease. And for me, I prefer the bacon grease. It just gives it a better taste to me. I like a salty taste. Oh, that's another thing on this diet. Do you know on a keto, you can eat all the salt you want? Absolutely all the salt you want. All my life, I was taught you shouldn't eat much salt. So you can see why my brother as a nurse practitioner was concerned about my blood work. But I'm going to go over that in a minute. But this keeps you not as hungry. So I try to keep my carbs right now to less than 20 a day. When I started, I was keeping it to less than 50 a day, which is super easy. 
then I decided I wanted to kind of speed up my progress. So now I try to eat less than 20 carbs a day. So today I probably ate a few more than that. I just ate a whole pot of green beans with bacon in them. But instead of, you know, putting sugar in my green beans, I put bacon in it. You can use all the spices you want. Red pepper flakes, garlic, salt. Use all that you want. So right now I try to keep my carbs below 20 a day. I do not count my fats and proteins. I just try to eat fatty pieces of meat, be that bacon, be that a steak on the chicken. I want to make sure the skin's on it. You know, when I was a boy, I was taught you're not supposed to eat the skin. Well, come to find out that's where the fat is. So that is what has really helped me in that regard. But the whole body process idea is once you get your body off burning sugar, which is all the carbs, to burning fat, then when your body runs out of energy, it will burn the fat on your body. You're carrying around. When I was 268 pounds, I was probably carrying around 90 pounds too much fat sitting on my body and my belly, unfortunately. Well, that's all fat that'll keep you alive. So that really goes into fasting and the whole idea behind it. And so the guy I'm following for fasting is called Dr. Jason Fug. And so basically what he teaches is that our ancestors they may go two days without killing something or without catching a fish, and they didn't die because your body stores fat in plentiful time so that later you can burn the fat. That's at least what he believes. So he's also a keto person. He believes you should eat fatty meats because he believes that's what our ancestors ate for all these millions of years. They did not have, you know, all these sweet things to go and eat. Maybe they'd come across a fruit orchard once in a while and eat it. But his theory is the reason we gain fat is because that's your body trying to hold calories later on for when you need it. So when you fast, those come out. And so he actually teaches fasting. So now, once a week, I eat nothing all day. We're going to take a quick break for a message for our listeners. Be right back right after this. I want to thank LocationOne.com. Some of you know it as Lois for sponsoring today's podcast. In my opinion, Lois is the best buildings and sites database on the market. One of the reasons I think that is it gives you nationwide exposure. So I used to be the economic developer in Paducah, Kentucky, and I made a terrible mistake. I only put my buildings and sites on the Kentucky Economic Development Buildings and Sites database. Well, Paducah bordered Illinois and was within 30 or so miles of Missouri, Indiana, and Tennessee. So what sense did it make for me to not put my bills and sites on a nationwide database? Well, Lois does that for you. Looking back, I should have put my bills and sites on Lois. It's also easy to use for an economic developer. It's just like using Facebook. It walks you through how to insert your pictures and your information and so forth. And the thing I like most It works well on my iPad. If I'm in an industrial building, I want to be able to look at that thing on my iPad. Lois does that for me. Other buildings and sites, databases struggle with that. So if you got 10 or 15 minutes to spare, go over to location1.com, book yourself a demo, and see if this can help your community have more success. And now I will tell you, if I enter my fast off of a high-protein day, So the best meal I can eat is a whole rack of ribs with dry rub on it, not the sweet sugary, you know, rub, but the dry rub on it. If I eat a whole rack of ribs with dry rub on it with lots of fat, say I eat that at six o'clock at night, the next day I can easily fast, not eat anything all day long, and it does not bother me one bit, not one bit. 
If I enter my fast after a night of drinking, and I do drink on this diet, I'll tell you what I drink, but if I enter my fast after a night of drinking or, you know, I ate too many carbs or whatever, it's hard, hard, hard the next day to get through it. But if you enter it off of a fatty ribeye or, you know, a fatty ribs or whatever, you will sail through that day like it's nothing. You absolutely will. So then what happens is, after about 12 or 14 hours, you've used up all of the most recent things you've eaten. So then your body t- totally runs off the fat that's sitting on its body. And you're just burning that fat over and over again. And he even says that something at some point clicks in called autophagy. And that after 24 hours of no food, your body goes into mode called autophagy. You can go and Google this, but basically your cells end up replenishing themselves. And, you know, your body almost eats up the damaged cells and replenish. I've had so many people since I started this tell me I look younger. I'm actually having more people tell me I look younger than telling me, hey, I can tell you've lost all this weight. I don't know why that is. But I'm getting that all the time. And so I'm thinking that may be coming from the fasting. Again, I am not a medical expert. Seek your own advice. I'm just telling you my own story, uh, what is working for me. I have enjoyed the fasting so much. I actually enjoy it that I'm about to tell you something that's going to sound crazy. And Alex has told me that I need to quit it. And my mom's told me I need to quit it. And my brother and my dad and everybody's told me I need to quit it. But now, every other week, I fast two days a week. I was at first fasting one day a week. Now I'm fasting two days a week. I enjoy the feeling after about 24 hours. My mind gets clear. I get a rush of energy. I'm not hungry. You feel good. And so I got to study it and thought I'm going to add to it. And I'm not going to add to that. Some people would do a seven-day fast like once every six months. I might try that at some point in time. But right now I'm going to stick to the two-day fast. And so far they're working for me. The only side effect I've had whatsoever, and I read that keto actually causes this as this fasting, so you need to know. This is the only bad side effect I've had. Then I'll tell you my blood work, which will show it's good. Then I'm going to tell you some of the things that I eat. But the only bad side effect I had is I got a case of gout in my big toe in May. And I got it right after I had done a two-day fast. My toe just started hurting where I couldn't hardly walk. That toe ended up hurting so much I couldn't put a shoe on it. I had that for two weeks. And I was in St. Louis. And luckily, this man who I don't even know, he saw the pain I was in. And he said, you got gout. I said, yes, sir, I do. And I don't know what to do. He said, you need to take some celery seed oil. I didn't know what he said at first. That's what he said. Celery, like C-E-L-E-R-Y. You need to take you some celery seed oil. He said, that'll cure that gout. And so I said, where do I get it? He gave me this store in St. Louis. So off I went, got me a little thing of it. Honestly, within 24 hours, my gout was 50% better. That's honest truth. And then, you know, it didn't fully go away for probably about a week. Now I'm doing this middle of July. I can't feel it at all in my toe. And now I've got my celery seed oil if it happens again. If I feel it coming on, I'm going to take it immediately. But if I'm going to tell y'all the honest truth of all the benefits I've had, I'm going to tell you the negative. That is the only negative whatsoever I've had. I've not been low energy. I've been high energy. I've not had the shakes or whatever. I hadn't been dizzy headed. No. The only side effect I had is I got gout in my toe. So if you ever feel that coming on, try celery seed oil. You can go on Amazon and find it. It's cheap. Keep it with you. Take you a few drops of it. Somehow that supposedly, you know, clears out your acid levels. Now on days I eat, I eat as much as I want until I'm full. I eat as much as I want until I'm full, so long as I'm eating the fat. So if I want to eat a whole rack of ribs, I'll eat a whole rack of ribs. If I want to eat a 20-ounce ribeye steak, I'll eat it. If I want to eat four eggs, I'll eat it. I did not count calories. Jason Fung argues, the YouTube doctor that I'm watching, 
he argues that when you just do a calorie restriction diet, let's say you restrict your diet to 1,500 calories a day, that once you come down to the 1,500, your body metabolism will adjust. He argues that's why it's very hard to lose weight just with calorie restriction. Whereas with what I'm doing, I may eat 2,500 calories one day, but it's all fat and protein. So then the next day when I eat zero, it all comes out and I burn more. I never get my body just used to 1,500 calories every day. I'm kind of up and down, and he argues that that helps with the weight loss. A few other keys, and I'm going to get into some of the things that I eat, which even includes things like lasagna. You're not going to believe that, <laughs> but I know how to cook lasagna keto. One, you got to get rid of all the processed oil and vegetable oil. You want to cook with olive oil or with bacon grease or with uh, something like avocado oil. The vegetable oils and all have trans fats, and that is not what you want. You want saturated fat. So you want to get rid of all of them. And what I think has helped me recently, I'm learning about this as I go. I'm trying to eat real food now. I ask myself when I go to eat something, okay, was this made in a food processing plant or is this real food? In other words, if it's a steak, yes, it was probably ended up in a plant, you know, in a bee plant. But a steak is a real food. That was not a chemical plant putting it together. So sorry for our economic developers that are recruiting food processing. I don't just eat much food processed anymore. I'm trying to eat real food, bacon, eggs, chicken. You know, chicken has a lot of, unfortunately, what they feed them isn't so good. So even that's sometimes not exactly what I want. But, you know, steak, this type of stuff, green beans, onions. You got to watch onions. Can't eat a lot of them. You can eat a few. Red pepper, see? I'm trying to avoid foods processed in a plant because when they end up processed, they end up putting in all these chemicals that ends up affecting your metabolism. So I think that's helped me as much as anything. Trying to eat, you know, one ingredient food. Steak has one ingredient. See, trying to eat that, not just eating things that have all kinds of stuff in it. So what type of stuff do I eat? Well, number one, I cook everything in olive oil. Or in bacon grease, everything. And if you think that you, you know, you think to yourself, I can't cook up enough bacon grease to have stuff to eat in, you can buy it online. There's actually, on Amazon, you can actually buy bacon grease on there. I use lots of spices. I put spices on everything. So I use lots of spices. I just make sure they don't have sugar in it. Every day, almost, I eat bacon and eggs to start the day. Three eggs, three bacon. I cook the eggs in olive oil. Gives me a good start to my day. The bacon has lots of fat in it. That gives me a good start to my day. And honestly, if I eat and have my coffee at, you know, 9 or 10, I'm not hungry again until 1 or 2. And so usually at 1 or 2, I will eat a big meal if I'm home. Steak, green beans with bacon, uh, fried okra, I'll fry okra. I use pork panko, which is pork rinds ground up for my breading. That's what I use, and I cook it in a bacon grease. So I'll fry myself some okra. I'll fry myself some squash. You know, any of those type vegetables I will eat but I fry it in the bacon grease. So I'll have a big meal for lunch. I like sour cream. I've made a little sour cream dip almost for chicken that I'll eat. You can eat all the sour cream you want. You can eat all the butter you want. You can eat all the Louisiana hot sauce you want. So I put that Louisiana hot sauce on stuff. And man, I'm sitting, I'm sitting good. I'm loving it. And then at night, I'm just usually not that hungry. Usually I might have some green beans and bacon left over. I might cook me an egg or something. I'm just not that hungry at night. So I usually at night kind of eat a lighter meal. I eat all the salt I want. All the salt I want. If I taste something that's not salty enough, I put more salt on it. I'm using Redmond's sea salt is what I'm using. Supposedly in the keto world, it's a better salt than your other stuff. So that's the salt that I use. I eat a lot of ribeye steak. Eat a lot of hamburger meat. You can make hamburger meat any way you want it. Chili powder put in there. 
the fattiest hamburger meat I can get, the better. Because all that fat you can actually end up using. When it comes to vegetables, I eat asparagus, spinach, all this type of stuff. Very little fruit. Very, very little fruit. So just the fattiest meat you can find is what you want. We're going to take a quick break for a message for our listeners. Be right back right after this. In June of 2020, Next Move Group launched a new initiative called The Movement, and we already have more than 100 economic developers as part of our movement. The movement was really built to help improve the quality of lives of economic developers. It helps economic developers land more deals, helps them get along better with their board and elected officials, helps them deal with the media, even helps them learn how to build their resume if they want to look for a new job. So thank you to our first 100 members, and if you want to join the movement, go to thenextmovegroup.com backslash movement to learn more. I love lasagna. Let me tell you this lasagna keto recipe that I got off of YouTube, and I wouldn't have thought you could have done this a million years. Basically, all you do in your lasagna is you replace the noodles with chicken or turkey deli meat. They're thin. Just put your chicken or turkey deli meat at the grocery store. It's thin. Instead of using noodles, you use chicken or turkey deli meat instead of your noodles. And then on top of it, you put your meat. You use as low a sugar marinara sauce as you can get. You put your ricotta cheese, your mozzarella, all that. Then you put your another layer. And the next layer, you use your turkey meat, uh, whatever. That ends up being your noodles. And then you cook it just exactly like you would lasagna. If you ate it, you would eventually figure out you weren't eating noodles, but it wouldn't be the first bite. It'd probably be five or six bites before you said, is that a noodle? What is that? And it's good. You might actually say that's even better because, you know, chicken or turkey deli meat has a pretty good taste. It all flows together. It tastes like part of the meat sauce. So you end up liking it, but that makes your lasagna good. So there's all kind of little tricks like that. The more you get into keto, there's ways to cook keto bread. I have not tried that. There's ways to do keto ice cream. You Google it. There is a whole community out there for it. When I'm on the road, I've had to try to figure out how to do this on the road. So when it first started, we were all kind of still locked down, you know, nothing was open. And so it wasn't hard. I was just cooking a lot. But now I'm getting back on the road again, going to see clients, prospects, and whatnot. And so I'll tell you several things I found that helped me on the road. So number one, Subway. You know, I'm eating at a lot of Subways. And so what I get is the double steak protein bowl. So I get double steak. I get them to put some bacon in there. They'll have bacon there they can put. I usually get some provolone cheese. You can use cheese on keto. You just can't use a lot of it. And then they got a Southwest Chipotle ranch sauce that I get. I get that a lot. That fills me up. I get that in there. I'll have them put some jalapeno peppers, some green peppers, some salt, and I'm ready to go another 400 miles. So I'm eating a lot of Subways if I'm on the road. If you go through a fast food, they will have a hamburger option for you where they don't have a brick. So you can actually get a hamburger option at fast food where they don't have bread. Wendy's is pretty good about that. When I was at the College World Series in Omaha, going to those games, I can't tell you how many hamburgers I ate without bread on it because I just needed, I needed food to get me through. So hamburgers and hot dogs, I just eat it without the bread. I hit lots of Waffle Houses or Denny's type places for breakfast because I can get bacon and eggs. And that's all I want is bacon and eggs. If I'm going to any kind of sports bar or whatever, you know, you can get smoked wings a lot of places now. A lot of places have smoked wings. So I'll get the smoked wings and you can eat just about as much ranch dressing as you want. So I get a lot of smoked wings and ranch dressing. And I like big salads now. I didn't used to like that, but I like big salads. 
with, you know, all kind of like chef salads with ham in there, bacon, eggs, turkey, or steak, whatever. Put you some kind of a thick sauce on it that's not sugary, and I'm eating a lot of that. At fancy dinners, you always got a steak option. Just about always have a steak option or a fish. So usually at those, I get steak and fish and get some kind of asparagus. Avoid the potato. Uh, potatoes is the one thing I've missed. I love potatoes. I really don't miss bread. I don't miss sweets, but I do love potatoes. So uh, if I'm at a fancy dinner, though, you know, you get yourself a steak, some asparagus, you know, whatever the vegetable is, or a fish, and usually you can make away pretty good. And as I conclude, you know, living in New Orleans, we do like to drink. And so no beer. Can't drink beer on a keto diet. What I'm drinking is just straight liquor. You can drink all the straight liquor you want. I am sure, though, there's keto experts will say, no, you can only have one drink a day or two. Basically, since we've been doing this, I have drank all the Tito's vodka and water I want. I'll get a Tito's vodka, water, and lime. Or you can get a Tito's vodka, you know, get you a club soda. I drink all that I want. Or I'll drink all the straight. I'm a scotch drinker, so I'll drink all the straight McAllen I want. Glenn Livet, whatever particular scotch, and I also like Kentucky bourbon. So I drink all the straight Kentucky bourbon I want, but you just drink it straight with ice. And you want to avoid anything, all the sweeteners that have sugar and all in it, you want to avoid. But I absolutely have drank on this diet. I've not drank as much as before. You know, living here, you know, normally you have Mardi Gras, Jazz Fest, all this kind of stuff. So normally I would have drank right through that. I have not drank as much as before. Now I pretty much only drink if I'm going out with somebody to something that's pretty much i rarely ever just drink if i'm sitting at the house once in a while i might but i'm always getting straight liquor i'm avoiding wine avoiding beer straight liquor typically has no carbs in it and you won't necessarily lose weight drinking it but you won't gain weight you'll see you won't lose weight when you get on scale the next morning but a day or two later you will once you process that but the important thing is you won't gain it so that is pretty much my story. I'm down 53 pounds now to 215 from 268. I will tell you, I feel much, much better. I feel better just walking across town. I now can wear a large shirt. I had got up to a double X large shirt. I'm now in a large. My pants size had got to be a 42, and it was about to go to a 44. It really was. Now I'm in a 38, and I probably can wear a 36. My 38s are big, so I think I'm about to have to wear 36s. I want to keep going because I honestly enjoy it. I really enjoy the fasting. I really do. So I think I'm going to keep going and maybe see can I get below 200. If I don't, I'm not going to beat myself up. I'm proud of how far I've come. I like the way I'm looking. People are telling me I'm looking younger. I got energy. If I stall here, I'm not going to beat myself up. I would like to get, say, to 195. That's 20 more pounds. That would be the thinnest I've been since I was probably in, like, the 10th grade, honestly. And so I would like to get to that. That would even give me some wiggle room in case, you know, I ever gained it back. I really think with the formula I have now of knowing, you know, to eat more fat, and the fasting that I enjoy, I hope I've got a strategy to keep it off really for the first time ever in my life. Oh, and I forgot to go over my blood, my blood work. Let me go over that before we end, because this is what I was concerned over. If you look at critics of keto, they'll say you're going to end up with uh, high cholesterol, high bad cholesterol is what they say. I figured they were probably right because I'm eating a lot of salt, eating a lot of meat. You know, I figured they were probably right. So I had my blood work done, and I'm going to go over it with you so you can see what it was. And then I intend to have this done every year. So if I see that it is going in the wrong direction, I will immediately adjust. But before you enter this diet, you know, you might want to talk to your doctor. You might want to have this tested for yourself. So here's my blood work. My hemoglobin A1C, which tests your risk of diabetes, I was a 4.7. 
which is considered exactly normal. Once you get to about a 5.7 or 8, you're pre-diabetic. Once you get over like a 6.2 or something like that, you're diabetic. So I was 4.7 and nowhere close to being diabetic. I wish I'd had this tested before. I think I was pre-diabetic. I can't prove it to you, but I wasn't feeling good. I had some signs. My feet would like swell with water. If I walked a lot, if you Google that, they say that's a pre-diabetic sign. That doesn't happen anymore. I wish I'd have looked at it. My nitrogen level was 13 milligrams over DL, whatever that means. That was considered perfect. My creatine level was considered perfect. My triglycerides were considered perfect. So they're not high, and this is like a risk of heart attack. They're not high unless you're over 150. Mine was like 95. So I was in really good shape. My HDL cholesterol was a 2.32. It's not considered high unless you're a five. So I was double lower than where I needed to be. In other words, I've got lots of room there. My cholesterol was almost low. The one thing I was most worried about, normal stops at about 145. So normal cholesterol is 145 to 200. Mine's 147. So I've got lots of room in cholesterol. My HDL, which is your high-density lipoprotein. I believe this is a cholesterol test. I was normal. My low-density protein, I was even below where I had to be. In that sense, I was good. And my blood pressure was good, and everything was good. So, yes, it's shocking. If you would have told me that I could lose 53 pounds with no exercise, I would not have believed it. But this has worked for me. This is working for friends of mine. Reverse your thinking, eat all the fat you can eat, eat all the salt you can eat, but I'm not an expert, so don't listen to me. Get somebody to help you. And then you might sprinkle in some fasting and see how you do. So this is my story, and I will keep you updated on it.